I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Check it out, Rebels. I want to talk about our new sponsor, Upside.com. It's a new travel service for booking business travel. They provide amazing service. Like uh, It's kind of like having your own concierge, really top level of service and makes it easy for you to find the flights and the hotels you're looking for. We know you're all busy like I am and, and you don't have a ton of time to be wasting looking for travel for hours on end. I know I've done it, uh, but I don't do it anymore because I'm using Upside.com. They make it easy for you to bundle your air, hotel, and car and save even more. And even better, you'll get a gift card to places like Amazon every time you book with Upside.com. Use the code REBEL to get a $100 Amazon gift card from Upside.com just for booking travel. That's code REBEL. Minimum purchase required. See Upside.com for details. What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up, what up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh -huh. Rebel Radio is going down. What did you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio. I'm your host, Josh Levine. This week, we are back with part two of my interview with Richard Green. I met Richard... Uh, earlier this summer at the Worlds Conference, Worlds with a Z.us. If you want to learn all about that, it was a great uh, two days of hearing leading thinkers and meeting really interesting people, including my man Richard Green, who is not only an expert in public speaking, he's an author. Um, in our in our last episode, we talked a lot about how um, he's, his ideas to change the electoral process. If you didn't hear that, make sure you go back and listen to that one. And in part two, we're going to talk about his his lessons that can make anyone a great public speaker. The biggest one, not surprisingly, um, is have something important to say, something that really matters to you, and then you're going to get that across to your listeners. So good stuff coming up here with Richard Green right after our EDM.com track of the week.
come from? You kept asking me. Drove my car home that night, and I probably shouldn't have. Curry has made up for the time we didn't have. Yo, that was EDM.com with your track of the week, Prism, with a track called Low Line. I hope you enjoyed that. If you do, get over to EDM.com and check out more great music. But first, part two with Richard Green. So I want to touch on something. You talked about social media as this vehicle. Um, and so... Most of your work that that I've seen focuses on not social media, but but you know, in person. You know, someone's standing on a stage, right? Um, how much how much of that applies in in social as well, and how much is um, how much are those things different? Help me out. If what I'm trying to be, you know, if I'm trying to learn to be a, a better public speaker, right. right, to build my career, to build my influence, my political influence, right. whatever, whatever it is I'm trying to achieve, right? I think today you've got those two opportunities, right? I've got what do I do when I'm in the room in front of people, standing at the podium, and then what do I do when I'm, at, you know, on Instagram later? Like how how do I get that? And you you know you you use the word conversation. I think, you know, it's very, uh, a few years ago, you know, I've worked with a lot of brands on their social media and a few years ago it became popular to say, hey, hey, you know, fans of ours, get in the conversation with us. Mm-hmm. Right? So I think there's this, this overarching theme that we're just in endless conversation in, in various, across various media. So I, I wonder, you know, how much of your, how much of what works in a public speaking environment or in a or in, in that kind of interpersonal environment also works on the social channels and, and what's different? Wow, there's a lot that's different and a lot that's the same. Okay. By the way, I would I would also include emails. Yeah. Right? Sure. So so there are seven secrets. So if people wanna kind of get an overview of my work, just Google Richard Green with an E and then TEDx. Mm-hmm. So I did a TED talk a couple of years ago and it has well over a million now, which is incredibly gratifying because it's it's also a historical thing. It's called the seven secrets of the greatest speakers in history. Mm. And I show clips of Martin Luther King right. and and John F. Kennedy and you know Barbara Jordan, who's this amazing female speaker. She was a congresswoman from Texas. Mm. Um, and so I'll, I'll just run through the seven because they apply to any communication that you make. Okay. Now, now the first thing to understand, though, is that the reason in-person communication is so much more powerful is because you're operating on uh, the word level, on the voice tone level, and on the body language right. level. And those are the three ways human beings communicate. So you and I right now, 
you're listening to my words, you're assessing and being influenced by, affected by my voice tone mm -hmm. and also my body language. You're able to see the enthusiasm coming out of my, the expressions in my face. We're making sure. eye contact, right? And to some extent, you can do that when you're doing, you know, a, a Facebook Live or you're doing a video chat, right. you know. Um, but it's not quite the same because you're not feeling their energy, but it's close. Mm -hmm. It's closer than an email. But let me go through the, so the, the important thing to understand is that the, when you impact someone with, with your communication, you're doing it, as I said, with words, voice, tone, and body language. What percentage of the impact that I'm having on you, you like me, you don't like me, you think I'm smart, you think I'm, you know, making it up, you trust me, you don't trust me, you want to continue to have another conversation with me, you don't, you want to vote for me, you don't. What percentage of that do you think comes from the words that I'm actually using? Well, I should know because I watched your TED talk, and and uh, but I I don't remember the specific numbers, but I but it it's shocking ten percent. It's shocking, actually. There was a study; it's very controversial, and some people even you know don't agree with it. Um, but it, even if they don't agree with it, it's they agree with something close to that. Yeah. And this study <clears throat> that is often used is from 1968 and it said that 7% okay. is the words. Yeah. Which is why you would have Al Gore and Bill Clinton when they were president and vice president and Bill Clinton would charm everybody yeah. and Al Gore would bore everybody. Now Al Gore has gotten much better now and I would recommend that people go see An Inconvenient Sequel. It's really yeah. a great film. Yeah. Great film. And Al Gore has evolved as a communicator. So 7% is words and oh, Bill Clinton and, and Al Gore had the same speechwriters. Mm -hmm. So if words were mm -hmm. really that important, then everybody who had a great speechwriter would be a great speaker. Right. But they're not. Um, so words are 7%. Voice tone is 38%, okay. which is obviously really important on the radio or in a podcast. And sure. body language is 55%. When you're talking on the phone or in a podcast, our voice tone actually is over 80%. Mm -hmm. Right, the enthusiasm and the intonation, the punctuation, all of that. So <clears throat> the, the, the seven secrets as applied to even you know, written communication or social media communication, the key thing to know about words is that people love stories. Mm -hmm. That data, data, data just causes people's eyes to glaze over and they right. disconnect. So if you're sending an email or there's a long post that you're putting on social media and it's very data-driven that's going to turn people off. So you want to make it human. You want to have anecdotes or stories or put conversation into that because that's how people are engaged. Voice tone, obviously not relevant to an email or <clears throat> an Instagram post, yeah. uh, nor body language. But the secret number four is called the lasered compelling message. Mm. It's really important if people are writing a speech or they're writing an email. Um, a lot of people build to the conclusion. So, dear Josh... You know, four years ago, blah, 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 blah. And then there was this, and then there was this, and then there was this. And so, therefore, I want to ask you or I want to invite, you know, Lincoln Park or I want to whatever, mm -hmm. right? And people never even get, get to that. that part of the email or yeah. the post. So you want to put your provocative, really juicy headline up in the front, mm -hmm. right? So I have something that will triple the social media audience for Lincoln Park. Boom. Let me, yeah. let me explain. Right. So yeah. I, I, I mean, you capture people mm -hmm. right at the beginning. Sure. So in an email start, what's the headline, right? 
newspapers, if newspapers had the headline at the end of the story, right. no one would read newspapers. I mean, yeah. or would read any news article. Yeah. There, people don't read newspapers anymore. Um, so that's called the laser compelling message. That's I have a dream. The only thing to fear is fear itself. I mean, those are these provocative themes that are right up there at the front. So that's really important for being a good uh, non-in-person communicator. Mm -hmm. And then secret number five is having a conversation uh, when you're speaking to people to some extent that very much applies to emails. Make it conversational. Don't mm -hmm. be formal. Don't be... Don't be just data dumping the crap out of people, right? Make it personal and engaging. Yeah. We are, as human beings, we're neurologically programmed to receive communication as a conversation mm -hmm. as opposed to as a performance or as a presentation. That's why a lot of people, you know, burn and die when they're up on stage. No, I love that. I mean, I, you know, the uh, Steve Hofstetter, who's a comedian that we just had on the show, was talking about, um, you know, he has a set, but then he sits in the back of the room and he watches the guy before him and he adjusts his set based on what kind of crowd he sees out there. And he mentions, you know, he said like the bachelorette party is the worst of all possible crowds to perform in front of. And so he completely will change, you know, if he sees that tiara in the audience, so totally <laughs> changes his setup to try to win them, right? Because you're not going to win them with this, you know, the other stuff. It's a, it's a communication um, principle called pacing and leading. Yeah. You have to pace, in other words, enter the world of right. the person or the audience that you're speaking to. That is, if you don't do that, whether you're a comedian or a public speaker, you will crash and burn. Yeah. Because you come in a high energy and they're low energy and they're going, oh, who is this guy? You come in low energy, they're high energy and all sorts of other examples. How much have you seen the effects of your work, right? Have you? Let me let me go through the, the last two things. So sure. secret number six is based on neuro-linguistic programming, uh, the four languages of human communication based on the five senses of the brain. So we have, you know, seeing, hearing, tasting, touching, smelling. Those five senses, which is how we interpret reality, period, mm -hmm. are broken down into four different kinds of communication. Mm -hmm. So there's visual, think Robin Williams, high energy, big picture. There's auditory, think Ronald Reagan, nice sounding voice, very articulate, good communication, very easy, conversational to understand. There's auditory digital, which is the Albert Einstein language, mm. the Stephen Hawking's, the detail, you know, lots of data and facts and figures. And then there's the kinesthetic, which is touching, tasting, smelling, feeling. That's the very white oh baby right that's mm -hmm. the emotional um response that's bill clinton i feel your pain can you connect do you want to hug someone do you feel yeah. connected to that person so those are the four languages and it's very important to understand how to speak all four you cannot be a great communicator either in person or on email or in social media unless you have the ability to communicate on all four and then secret number seven uh, as i explained in the ted talk is authentic passion, mm -hmm. right? That's the most important. Every single word that comes out of your mouth should be fueled by your genuine and authentic passion about what it is that you're talking about, mm -hmm. whether it's on an email, on a social media post, or in person. So the impact, um, I love that because oftentimes in my seminars that I do for corporations and uh, you know general public workshops, 
I'll pull someone out of the audience. Mm-hmm. I say like Oprah Winfrey, who wants a makeover, <laughs> right? So we don't do the hair and makeup and right. the dress, but I say, sure. okay, so I want you to communicate about something that you're passionate about. They do that. They yeah. do it for 30 seconds or a minute. I say, okay. And I make a few tiny little shifts mm-hmm. in their words, less likely, voice tone often, body language, very often. Yeah. And I turn someone who is shy, introverted, not effective, has not engaged the audience into someone who is incredibly charismatic. Mm. Every single person can be charismatic. Not by being like Tony Robbins Mm -hmm. or like John F. Kennedy, but by being the most fully realized, fully authentic example of who they are. Mm -hmm. So there is no one out of the 8 billion people on the planet, there is no one who has Josh Levine's DNA Mm -hmm. or your unique personality and set of experiences. Your job as a human being and as a communicator is simply to do and to be that. Mm -hmm. And when you are, people will respond. They'll be engaged and they will find you to be incredibly compelling and even charismatic. So there's a hidden formula inside of every single one of my 8 million potential clients. Mm -hmm. And it's incredibly gratifying to bring that out. Rebel Radio is supported by Blue Apron. Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They make it easy for you to prepare incredible meals at home with um, meat, seafood, produce that comes from sustainable sources. They deliver just the right amount for each recipe so there's no food waste. And uh, they make it pretty easy to have a great meal for under $10 a person. It's fast, convenient, affordable, and it's delicious. We've been doing it here. Uh, Well, Christy's been doing most of it, but I got in there a little bit, cooked up a couple meals, and and it's great. In in under 40 minutes, we're eating. uh, We're having a great time cooking together. Highly recommend you check it out. And um, if you're the type of person that gets bored, there's uh, new recipes every week, and they never repeat the same meal in a year. So... It works out pretty nicely. Check out this week's menu and you get your first three meals free with free shipping just because you're a Rebel Radio listener. So go to blueapron.com slash rebel. You'll love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. Go to blueapron.com slash rebel. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Uh, talk about the TED Talk. How does that? Uh, I know you know. As you mentioned, it had a, a huge viewership. Does that change things for you? Does it you know start the phone ringing and? and it's unbelievable yeah. how you know TED Talk is kind of the new currency, yeah. right? It's like oh you know I've got this cool website or I've got right. this or whatever. You have a TED. First of all, oh you have a TED Talk, right? I mean that's that already kind of puts you in another category. And then, you know, if I had 872 views, I probably wouldn't tell people about it. Sure. Because we're very snobbish about that stuff now. I was like, oh, oh, forget I'm not even going to watch it. But when it has, you know, over a million, it's like, oh, right? So it's been, I thought I sucked. I actually, because I changed the topic the day before. Oh, wow. Which is a total no-no. Yeah. But because I'm a professional public speaker, the organizers said, whatever you want to do, you do. You'll be fine. Yeah. And I was going to talk about 
E equals MC squared in the new definition of God, because I'm so passionate that we find as a world community a consensus understanding and definition of God. You can get there by Islam or Judaism sure. or Christianity or whatever, yeah. but let's at least agree on something about God. So uh, that was like really important. But then I said, you know, let me at least have my first TED Talk be about what I've spent 30 years doing. So I went, I rearranged my entire TED Talk and threw it together. And I went up there and it's like, I walked up the stage and I said, oh, that sucked. <laughs> and a friend of mine who had done TED Talks before, before goes, no, no, it was actually very good. It's going to do very well. And I said, God, I don't even want people to see it. Yeah. So it was very gratifying to yeah. see, you know, it, it gain a lot of people. Well, I, I mean, I think you, you already said it. It tapped into something that is a universal fear, right? And people want, you know, people are... I think half, I don't know, a lot of people watch TED because they want to see these great speakers, right? Not so much that they want the particular information from the topic, right? Except for yours is kind of a, a meta because it's a speech about speaking, yeah, right? And so I think that taps into something specifically that the TED audience wants, but also, you know, that we all want. We'd all, you know, everyone would like to be, if nothing else, more comfortable. Yeah. Now, if you watch the TED Talk and you just incorporate even one tiny thing out of that 18 minutes, yeah. you'll be a better communicator. And that's very gratifying. And the other thing is the history of it. I mean, there are a lot of young people who don't know about Teddy Roosevelt, what a freaking rock star he was. Absolutely. And or Barbara Jordan, as I mentioned before, or John F. Kennedy. I mean, I, I have three clips from John F. Kennedy because sure. I'm such a total know Kennedy geek yeah. um, and then I have Barack Obama and I've got of course Martin Luther King and Winston Churchill but the very best TED talk that I've seen was given by my mother oh wow who is now 88 and she gave it last year when she was 87 That's cool. and it's called it's never too late dot 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 until it is wow and she talked about her life journey where when she raised myself and my two brothers and then she went back to school, she got her bachelor's degree in her 50s, she got her hypnotherapist certification in her 60s, she walked on fire and became certified in NLP in her 60s or late 50s, she got her master's degree in spiritual psychology in her 70s, she was bat mitzvahed with my daughter when she was 73. It's like... It's never wow. too late. And people came up to her after and said, um, you know, even people in their 20s and 30s, wow, that is so inspiring. Mm -hmm. But then the, the last part of it is until it is, right? At some point, you're going to lose your ability to do things. At some sure. point, you're going to lose the people in your life to do things with. And mm -hmm. just lost my dad a couple years ago. And obviously, that has an impact. Yeah. impact. But her name is Eileen Green with an E on the end. It's, oh, it's, never, it's never too late, yeah. dot, 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 until it is. Oh, and it, what's so funny about this, so here's my 87-year-old mother. When, when the TED Talk gets published, this is the power of TED Talks. Yeah. It gets published, right? And it's like, and she's looking like every five minutes. Oh, my God, I have 723, you know, views. Mm -hmm. And I, now I, oh, my God, I have 900 <laughs> views, right? <laughs> it's so addictive. Absolutely. But then she said, why are people giving me a thumbs down? Right. I said, Mom, they give everybody a thumbs down, right? They're people who just, yeah. they're haters. Of course. Ah, that's so great. So when are you doing a TED Talk? I don't know. You know, I, well, so we met at Worlds, which, which I thought was awesome. Amazing. Um, and Roman's been on the show, and 
and so the one of the talks that I attended there was the TED folks, and it was you know it was about how to lessons from TED essentially, and uh, you know and I do a, I do a fair amount of public speaking or you know I'd like to do more but I I do a bit and um, I you know I think I'm okay at it sometimes. Um, how old are you? Forty five. Wow. Good Jewish genes, huh? <laughs> Thanks. So, um, where do you want to be when you're 50? Uh, on a beach? I want to be on a beach now. Um, it's a beautiful day. It is. We, we can go afterwards. I was, I was on yesterday, and I'll probably be back on soon. No, is that your goal, really? No, no, no. Um, I, yeah, I have so much that I want to do at 50 and now, and, and you know, uh, you know, I, I love I love what I do, which is helping creative people be more successful. Um, you know, and I I want to keep doing that, and I want to make movies, and I want to make other stuff that I haven't thought of yet. There's there's a lot of sort of pent up, uh, you know, I guess pent up creativity that that I gotta find room for. Mm-hmm. And you want to do all of that on a beach. I get it. Sure. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Well, now, you know, in some ways we can. We have absolutely we have connectivity everywhere we want and, and all of that. And even when we don't want it. Yeah. Do, um, you, do, you, do you believe in the concept of dharma? Do you know what that is, first of all? Uh, I'm, I'm somewhat familiar with it. And I, yeah, I believe in it. That we have a purpose. In other words, that we come in to this particular life, this particular body, this particular time in order to contribute something that yes. only that only we can contribute so if you're lebron james i don't know that i believe that that's predestined in the way that that, that what you just said suggests i i believe that at any given time that there are contributions that only i can make and that, that is my right that is why i'm here to make those contributions but i also feel like throughout my life that changes it certainly can and it can evolve yeah. but i but the the concept is that life has a purpose sure. it's not just some random protoplasm trying to muddle through until it dies absolutely right and that every person does have a unique contribution mm -hmm. so as i said if you're lebron yeah. james or michael jordan Absolutely. Your contribution, you were designed to entertain people by playing basketball. If you're Albert Einstein, you were designed to advance civilization through science, etc. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, you know, I travel around the world a lot speaking for the Young Presidents Organization, mm -hmm. the YPO, and cool. it's like 25,000 CEOs of who started in the organization before they were 40. Yeah. And I find that when they hit 50 their life changes mm. and they start thinking about, wow, okay, it's not all about me. It's about what is the imprint? What's the contribution I'm going to make? And I think that's when life becomes really fulfilling and satisfying. Mm. That if we're living our life for ourselves, it's short-term happiness sure. com com compared to long-term fulfillment. Yeah. So you're getting close. <laughs> uh, I better get on it. Hey, if you're enjoying this one, and I hope you're going to use these tips to become a great public speaker yourself, uh, then maybe we'll have you on the show. Uh, if, if you want to stay in the 
public speaking theme, go back in the Rebel Radio archives to South by Southwest this year. I was live on stage with Catherine Burns. She's the artistic director at The Moth and has some great, uh, great insight into what makes a great moth talk, which is, I'm sure, in many ways similar to a great TED talk. I think the big lesson she had was, was similar, was you have to show your audience how much you care about what you're talking about. So uh, you may want to check that one out after you finish up here with Richard Green. Okay, I have some questions I need to ask you. What have we uh, been doing before? Uh, well, these are, these are <laughs> I, I like to ask, it's sort of okay. a lightning round. Like I, okay, I'm like ready. Let me, let me take a breath. Uh, with the same, with, <sighs> okay. they're not actually that fast, but they're, uh, I like to end with the same. I do have one before we get to that, though. In, in, in your coaching, what stands out as the biggest surprise? You mean a specific person that I coached or in general a lesson yeah, about? Either one. Wow. That's a good question. I've never been asked that before. It's not a surprise anymore, but I think it was a surprise when I was younger because, you know, when I was a kid, I, I mean, I started this path when I was early thirties and I'd often be coaching people in their forties and fifties and sixties and who were very accomplished or presidents or prime ministers. And I, I was sh shocked at how everybody is basically insecure that if you scratch beneath the surface of a major rock star or a major politician, you don't have to scratch very far to get to a place where there's self-doubt, where there's insecurity, where there's the imposter syndrome, you know, maybe I'm not really mm -hmm. what people think I am. And I find that lovely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's humanizing. It's humanizing. And so I want to go and connect with that part, right? And that's where we can connect. And then the message is the one that I just shared with you, essentially, that you are, yeah, we're all insecure, we're all this in some, in some way, but we are incredibly magical and important because the entire universe has never experienced you. You are a once in a universe or once in a multiverse experience. And that makes you unique. There's no one who will ever, ever, ever be like you with your DNA, with your soul, with your experience or whatever. And so that makes you unfrickin' believably special. Mm -hmm. And so nobody can do with that. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's great. Um, it reminds me, yesterday I was, my son is seven, and he's on the basketball team. Mazel tough. And Thank you. Um, and he was telling me yesterday that he loves basketball, but he doesn't want to be on the team anymore because he gets embarrassed when he misses a shot. And, you know, my first thought is, well, you know, okay, well, there, there's some, we have some work to do to, to help him unpack that and, and through that. But my 
But what well, I, said, I you can help me as well because I'm not seven and I I kind of get embarrassed when I miss a shot. Of too. course. Well, that, you know that. For, so what I said is, yeah, me too, and everyone else. And and then we talked about it a little more, and I I said, you know. Um, what we have to do with that is find a way to to work on so that we're making more shots than we miss and we're enjoying the whole thing. Missing shots is part of it. It teaches you what not to do next time. And, and even LeBron James misses shots yeah, yeah, and Kobe so, yeah, Bryant. We, we talk about Steph. I'm Curry sure. So Steph, he's the he's, best, isn't he? Yeah. Love him. I want to tell you something about the Golden State Warriors. And you yeah. can tell you can tell this to your son. What's his name? Justin. Justin. So Steve Kerr is a friend of mine. Nice. Who's just an incredible Amazing. guy. The the number one percentage three point shooter in the history of basketball. <clears throat> right? Yeah. And I said, What makes this team so unbeatable? And this was last year before they got Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he goes, you know, we play with a lot of joy. I said, what? I said, I'm, I'm having not... a conversation with an NBA coach right. who's talking about the word joy. Yeah. Yeah, you, and, you, and you look at Steph Curry, and that's what you see. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and that's so remarkable because you don't hear that. You don't hear that in sports. You don't hear that in business. And I think, politics, that's, you know? I think that's the key yeah. to a lot. So I have joy when I travel around the world giving speeches and coaching with people. It is a joyful experience to me. And if it stops being joyful, I'm going to do something else. Mm -hmm. And if someone's a basketball player and it stops being joyful and they become a paycheck player, they should quit. Absolutely. And Steve Kerr would probably fire them if they they were. Yeah. Okay. Um, What's something you used to believe? So so tell Justin. Yeah. You know, forget that, right? Just, Just... play with joy, just to have fun out there. And the truth is, because I used to do some sports psychology, Tony Robbins and I worked with uh, some basketball players and and tennis players and uh, skaters and whatever, and it's really important where your mindset is. And I used to teach tennis. It's all about that mindset. And if you... Okay, then you can help me with that because I'm working on my tennis game. And you look at the great tennis players, and you know they're having fun, yeah. right? It's joyful. They're just celebrating the artistry of that. Okay. Anyway, go ahead. Okay, let's do the lightning round. So, um, tell me one thing that you used to believe and then decided you had been wrong. I don't know if I believed it very much, but I definitely don't believe it now. And that is that there are bad people. Mm. There are no bad people. Um, everyone is, I, I, I have this kind of out there philosophy that everything is God, everything is light, mm-hmm. which is an absolute scientific fact. Did you know that this, this paper cup is the Big Bang, <coughs> the flash of light, called the Big Bang, 13.8 billion years later. Mm. Every single molecule and atom in this cup is the Big Bang as it's gone through its mm-hmm. journey of 13.8 billion years. So if everything is light, and most people who have near-death experiences and they go into the light, what yeah. do they experience? Unconditional love. Yeah. 
So everything is love. Even Hitler is love operating out of a fraction of that totality called love. So like there's white light, right? And you put it through a prism and you see that it's red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet, right? If you only focus on or act out of the red, the lower frequencies, you could do bad things. Mm -hmm. But you're still part of the white light. And you, the whole thing is just to become whole. And then we are no longer, quote unquote, bad people. So there are no bad people. Nice. What talent have you always wished you had more of? <laughs> I tried out for the JV basketball team since we're talking Did about you? Justin in basketball. You know, I'm 5'8". Uh -huh. I used, used to be 5'8 and a half. <laughs> you know, so, but I had a, my, at my parents' home, we had a basketball court. And I yeah. would play all the time, you know, that in tennis. Yeah. I was on the tennis team, but I wanted oh, cool. to be on the basketball team. And I tried out for JV basketball and I didn't make it. Okay. So I, I, you know, gosh. I, the, I, I, there's really not a lot that I wish for that I don't. Uh, oh, I, I'd like to be taller. But I guess that relates to basketball. Okay. Okay, go ahead. Uh, well, this maybe relates. If you could be the best in the world at something, what would it be? I am the best in the world at something. That's the best answer. And you know what that is? At being you. Yeah, at being Richard Green. Okay. Um, so I know you don't have an infrastructure, but let's say I work for you in some capacity. What's something I would hear you say over and over? Be yourself. Just be yourself and what are you passionate about? And so, for example, if you're working for me, I wouldn't hire you until I asked you that question. I said, mm -hmm. so what is it? So I don't want you to be a paycheck player, mm -hmm. right? Um, no matter how much money I would pay you, I would want you to be doing yeah. whatever it is that you were doing for free, mm -hmm. right? I'll, I'll pay you, but I would want you to love yeah. it so much you'd be doing it for free. So what is it that you were most passionate about? Let's have you do that. Cool. And I think if CEOs did that, they would get a lot more productivity out of Absolutely. their staff. Who would you be most excited to learn as a fan of your work? Wow. And it's crazy because when you have a TED Talk that has a lot of views, I, I looked online, there are courses yeah. that have been created around my TED Talk yeah. that I knew nothing about. I mean, yeah. that's humbling and mind-blowing. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> uh, God, I don't, I don't know. Um, oh, I know. Albert Einstein. It's a good one. Because not just my public speaking work, but, and I, I have a book, Words That Shook the World, that mm -hmm. included him as one of the 20 most inspiring speakers of the 20th century. Because... When I wrote that chapter, I became obsessed with E equals MC squared and had an epiphany about it. And I had this idea that E equals MC squared was the new definition of God. And mm -hmm. that's what birthed this children's book. And so I would love for Albert Einstein, wherever he is, to go, you know, I was going to pretend to have a German accent, you know, <laughs> Richard Green, you know, you, you got it. You got it. You're continuing my work. Oh, that's cool. What's your favorite city to travel to? 
listen, who doesn't love New York? Mm. I, I think New York is like the coolest, most fun city um, in the world. But I would say um, <clears throat> I, I love the Maldives. So Malé, although I've not worked there. I love Vanuatu. Mm. Um, I've done some speaking in Reykjavik mm. in Iceland, which I absolutely love. Cool. I've not been to any of those, oh, except New York. You have, so to, you have to go to those three those places. Those on my list, yeah, that's cool. What's the last great book you read? Um, I don't like to read books. That may come as a surprise. Interesting for an author. Yeah, okay. I don't like to read books because I find, I read a lot. I mean, I read a lot of articles, yeah. and, but mainly I've learned most of what I've learned by talking to people. Mm both at cocktail parties, at festivals, mm -hmm. you know, Burning Man, whatever, mm -hmm. um, and on my radio show, yeah. right? I mean, that was, that's the cool thing about doing a podcast or a radio show. You know, you pick up the phone or you send an email, Probably will you good. be, right? And it's yeah. like, wow, it's like the, it's a private university. Yeah. Um, the last novel I read was Harry Potter about <laughs> 20 years ago. Okay. Uh, I'd say my favorite Books are uh, The Power of Now mm. by Eckhart Tolle, A New Earth, which is even better, also by Eckhart Tolle. Tolle. Um, uh, the Dancing Wooly Masters. It's an old book back in the 1980s by Gary Zukav, who's one of Oprah's favorites about quantum physics. It just mm. changed my life, blew my mind about how spirituality and science are the same thing. Cool. Um, yeah, those are... So I've, I've read things since then, but I'm not... Sure. No, I, 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 I honestly don't want to be parroting other authors. Yeah. I mean, I'll watch TED Talks, but that's 18 minutes. That's yeah. not a book because I, I want to stay fresh and I want to contribute something that's me, not a, a dumbed-down version of somebody else. Mm -hmm. What movie do you think you've watched the most in your life? Um, good question. Um, I love men in black movies, especially the first one. I just love it. Women, I've gone out with so, so many women who hate those films. <laughs> I, it's a guy thing. I think I just love men in black. Okay. Fields of dreams. Oh. I mean, I cried my eyes out on that. Did yeah. you've seen that, right? Yeah, yeah, it's sure. unbelievable, right? Yeah. Avatar. Uh -huh. I, mean, I did eight events with James Cameron. I brought him to Capitol Hill nice. got, and to try to, put forward his environmental vision, got him connected with some senators. Um, so Avatar, I think, is amazing. Gosh. Um, Finding Nemo. Mm. I, I mean, I love... Uh, oh, Kung Fu Panda. Yeah. And Happy Feet. Okay. I honestly think that animated films sometimes are the best films out there. And I'm not ashamed to say that. Sure. Cool. Um, okay, and then favorite DJ or... Uh, or live perform live band. Oh wow! Ah, um, Jason Mraz is a dear friend of mine. I love him. Nice. I think he's unbelievable. I was yeah. at his fortieth birthday party at the Hollywood Bowl. Oh, cool! He's incredible. I like Jack Johnson. Yeah. I think he's amazing. Um, Maroon Five. Mm -hmm. I got to interview them. You know, when I had my radio show. Um, I, I think Adele is incredible. Quite honestly. Um, uh, Chicago used to be my favorite band mm. back back in the day. Mm -hmm. Santana, 
um, I actually, and I told somebody this last night and they were blown away. I actually, the second concert that I ever went to in my life at the Santa Monica Civic was Jimi Hendrix. Oh, wow. So, That's I mean, it cool. doesn't get much That's better. It doesn't get better, much better than oh, Jimi Hendrix. Amazing. Richard, thank you for doing this, man. This is so much fun. You're very good, man. I feel like I learned uh, quite a lot from you, as, uh, which is what I was hoping, and, and a great conversation. I appreciate it. And thank you for just so spontaneously meeting me and inviting me on, and I look forward to getting to know you even better as well. Absolutely. So everyone should check out uh, Words That Shook the World. Well, yeah, the, the, the website for my work is www.richardgreen, with an E at the end, dot org. Okay. My civic engagement 279 uh, website is www.279forchange.us. And then also I have one, www.thenewdefinitionofgod.com, which oh, might wow. be interesting for people. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Awesome. Thanks so much. Yo, that was Richard Green, part two. If you missed part one, go back and listen to it. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, let us know what you think. Leave us a comment on iTunes or SoundCloud. Hit us on Rebel Radio Net on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, anywhere you want. Most importantly, come back next week for more Rebel Radio. Peace. <laughs>